The China in Africa podcast is brought to you in partnership with the Africa-China Reporting Project at Wits University in Johannesburg. The ACRP aims to improve the quality of reporting on Africa-China relations through reporting grants, workshops, and other opportunities for journalists. More information at africachinareporting.co.za and our dedicated training website at africachinatraining.com. Hello and welcome to another edition of the China in Africa podcast, a proud member of the Seneca Network from SubChina. I'm Eric Olander, and as always, I'm joined by Kobus van Staden, the senior China-Africa researcher at the South African Institute of International Affairs in Johannesburg, South Africa. A very good afternoon to you, Kobus. Good afternoon. Kobus, before we get to our discussion today about the Bagamayo port in Tanzania, I think it's really important for us to start our discussion for the dramatic events that have been happening in Johannesburg and around South Africa. You wrote about it today for our newsletter to give some perspective, a very personal story. Uh, It doesn't really have anything to do with China, but given that the fact that you are in Johannesburg, tell us a little bit about what you're seeing right now in the dramatic uh, events that have been unfolding there over the past few days. So South Africa at the moment is going through a very, very steep COVID wave. Um, and also, the, the you know, it, it, there's been a long, a kind of a long dragging on kind of dispute between um, between the current uh, administration and the previous administration, um, particularly the its, its leader, Jacob Zuma. Um, so they recently managed to to kind of get a, a charge. You know, he, Jacob Zuma has, has a very long legacy of really crazy corruption. Um, and so so there's been many kind of trials and processes and commissions of inquiry to, inquiry to try and kind of get him on the hook for for some of this corruption, um, and like he wasn't he was refusing to show up to these hearings. So he's now he, he was now recently kind of imprisoned for contempt of court, um, and then you know as a kind of result he, he has significant support you know in, in certain areas of the country. So there's been some protests, and then um, I think the protests have been really exacerbated by by COVID and the, and the kind of economic kind of crash because of COVID. So so that has now, like yesterday and today, is really kind of switched over into a like kind of crazy looting. Um so there's, you know, so so it looks like um in some of the province there might be the the army is probably going to be brought in. Um and it's this this weird moment where it's simultaneously you know a really a really serious kind of COVID spike and yet people are kind of out you know, kind of really endangering their lives and 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 increasingly are now going to get in, you know, kind of in fights with the police, we were guessing. So it's, it's a little kind of hairy at the moment. And technically, you guys are on a lockdown, supposedly, right? Yes. Yeah, just like us out here in Vietnam. Well, we hope that you stay safe and things calm down. Let's turn our attention now to the Bagamayo port deal. This is a story that we've talked about on a couple previous podcasts, but really it comes up to on June 26th. There was a speech, and there she is in the background, Tanzanian President Samia Hassan. She took everybody by surprise on June 26th about at a meeting of the Tanzanian National Business Council where she announced that talks with China merchant holdings have resumed to expand the port project in Bagamayo. Now, this is a project that dates all the way back to 2013 when the government signed a framework agreement with the China Merchant Holdings International Company and Oman's State General Reserve Fund to build both a port and a special economic zone. Now, the whole project came to a crashing, dramatic 
explosive end back in 2019 when late President John Magafuli famously shut it down when he said and used these great quotes. And Magafuli, if his legacy is nothing else than some of his very colorful quotes, only a drunkard would accept the terms set by China merchants. He called the deal exploitative. And then he came back with a very tough counteroffer. He wanted, instead of a 99-year lease, he said that they'll get a 33-year lease. He said there will be no tax holidays. China merchants will not be granted any special status and will be required to pay market rates for water and electricity, just like any other investor. He also said that China merchants will not be allowed to run any other businesses within the port without the government's permission and that the government will retain the right to develop other ports if it wants. So you can see in some of those terms, the hallmarks of the very tough contractual terms that Chinese companies and the Chinese policy banks have built a reputation for in Africa, that these are deals that are very, very weighted in China's favors. President Magafuli said, nope, not going to do it. That effectively brought the talks to an end back in 2019. And since 2019, we haven't heard much. Right after that, though, China's critics, man, they just pounced. And they said, this is a great example of how developing countries are pushing back on the Belt and Road. You heard a lot of talk in the U.S. and Europe saying, aha, you see, this is agency in action. We're pushing back on the Belt and Road on the China in these onerous terms. Well, that really wasn't quite the case. It was just the fact that Magafuli wanted a better deal. Doesn't mean he didn't want to do the port deal. He just wanted better terms. Now, Let's fast forward to 2021 at the speech that the Tanzania National Business Council that President Hassan gave. Uh, it really took a lot of us by surprise because we have not seen any indication that the Bagamayo deal was back on the table again or that was something that was warming up. And then a couple days after her speech in The Citizen, which is one of the national newspapers, I think it's owned by the Nation Media Group in Kenya, so it's not a government paper, there was this very interesting article that only had anonymous sources, and it was clearly trying to guide the conversation away from some of the potholes that derailed it earlier. So number one, these sources, and again, I don't know who they are, nobody knows who they are, but they raise some very interesting points. Number one, this is not a Chinese project. That's one of the points that these anonymous sources wanted to make. The Bagamayo Port Project is the brainchild of the Tanzania Ports Authority, through its Tanzania Port Development Master Plan, which runs from 2009 to 2028. So a lot of people misperceive this to be part of the Chinese wanting to, to do this, when in fact, according to these sources, it's not. it's been a plan all along. This is not a debt-funded project. This is going to be an investor-led project. So the $10 billion number that has been widely circulated around this project is not $10 billion in debt. It is going to be underwritten by investors like Oman and their sovereign wealth fund, as well as China Merchant Holdings. So Tanzania will not take on a lot of debt, according to these sources. We're going to find out more today if that's in fact the case. Kobus, after this came out, I wrote a, a column on this saying, hey, everybody, it's great that Tanzania wants to negotiate, but 2019 is nothing like 2021. China is really out of the big infrastructure business in Africa today. It has been a long time since we have seen an announcement of the Chinese either funding or underwriting or investing in a major project. Last one was the Lekki port in uh, Nigeria that, uh, that I think is China Merchant. It's also building there 
That's a public-private partnership deal. But the days of them building these massive infrastructure projects using the policy banks are over. Also, let's bear in mind, there are a lot of ports now on the eastern shore of Africa. Let's just kind of start at the top and go to the bottom. You've got the port of Djibouti. You've got the port of Somaliland now. Dar es Salaam, port of Mombasa. Now the new Lamu port that the Chinese are expanding. Port of Durban, Kobus, in your neighborhood in South Africa. That's a lot of competition. Do we need another major deep sea port? So Kobus, she may want to get back in the game. There's no guarantee that the Chinese are in the mood to talk. Yeah, I mean, you know, that that's that's the big question is 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 who who was involved in the original kind of negotiations would be coming back for the new bout. Um, you know, China Merchants is, is you know, a massive port company. That's this one question mark. The other one is is um, Umani Capital was was also t- talked about in the early in the earlier deal. We're also not sure what what that means. The other, I think, the as, as you say, the bigger question is how is this port going to differentiate itself between the the other ports? You know. Um, and and what what is its basically what is its business plan? Um, you know, beyond beyond simply we're going to be, have a massive port. Um, I think I think it's, it's going to be very interesting to to see how how this kind of unfolds. Well, let's get two perspectives on this story. It's a fascinating story. It's much more complicated than what you're reading in the paper. So we thought let's do a deep dive and get two experts who've been following this very closely. First, uh, Tabit Jacob is a postdoctoral researcher in the department of political science at the University of Gothenburg and joins us from Sweden. A very good morning to you, Tabit. Good morning. And we're also joined on the line from Muhyiddin Shangwei, who's back on the show. Muhyiddin is a lecturer in the political science department at the University of Dar es Salaam in Tanzania. A very good morning to you, Muhyiddin. Good morning, Eric. Okay, Tabit, let's start with you. I kind of set it up. I hope I got all my facts straight. I think before we go too much down the road, can you give us a little bit of a background on the port? Things that I didn't say, kind of what was the motivation? Why is this port so important? And and what was Magafuli's intention in terms of bringing it to an end? And why would Hassan kind of want to bring it back? Give us an overview of how you see the situation. And Muhyiddin, then we'll come to you. Right. So, I mean, as you said, you know, this, this, the, the port idea was the brainchild of the former president, Jakai Kikwete. You know, he was in a tour in Malaysia uh, back in the in the 2010, and you know, he came back, and then the government sort of came up with this, the so-called Min Tanzania Min Tiger project, kind of like trying to mirror what happened in South Korea and Taiwan and, and, and Malaysia. And this is how the whole idea of the port came in. But as you said, you know, President Magufuli came in at the end of 2015 and he was very skeptical about the terms of the, uh, not just the port, but, you know, he was really skeptical of the 10 years of President Kikwete. And and you could say that some of these uh, skepticism were kind of justified because the 10 years of President Kikwete were, you know, marked by a series of corruption scandals, especially in the in the energy sector. There was a lot of generous terms for for mining and, and energy companies, and you know, as, as we all know, Magufuli came in and, and then in 2016, 2017, 2017 started this big battle with the Canadian miner uh, Acacia, and then, as you said, you know, he was hailed as the kind of like the new deal maker in Africa, the kind of leader that the continent needs, uh, and 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 it wasn't a surprise that in 2019, you know, he said the whole thing. It is not going to happen because you know the terms are very much unfair to Tanzania, and again, as you know, as I've said, very much questionable terms. You know, 
things that President Kikweta was pushing ahead. I should also say that, you know, uh, I mean, for, for some people, you know, this was also seen by people in Tanzania as a way of President Kikweta giving, giving something back to people from his own backyard because, you know, Bagamoyo is very close to where he was born. But moving, moving forward, as you said, you know, the recent announcement by President Hassan has caught everywhere by surprise. Uh, uh, I, I wasn't really surprised. I think there are a couple of things, there are a couple of reasons for that as to why she has all of a sudden revived the, the port. As in, I think number one is that President Hassan is trying to send a message to the rest of the world that she's, she's trying to move beyond rhetoric. You know, she has recently promised quite a lot of things, making Tanzania the best investment destination again, improving the business climate and all that. And I think she's trying to say that she's moving beyond rhetoric. And to be fair, she has, she has already proven that. You know, she has recently normalized trade relationship with Kenya. Just before Magufuli died, Kenya and uh, and Tanzania were caught in a very nasty trade war. So at least things are back to normal now. She has hosted Aliko Dangote, Africa's richest man. She has recently hosted the head of the uh, of the IMF, the head of the African Free Trade Area. So I think she's trying to send a message that she's moving from rhetoric to, you know, getting things done. But the most important thing, I think, is she also wants to show that she can get things done on her own because I think we have to be careful that she's she'll be running again for another term back in 2025. And I think she wants to show that she needs to, to have her own project to show that she can get things done and she's not just riding on Magufuli's project. So this is why we also saw she has asked the Minister of Energy to fast track the LNG, the $30 billion LNG project, which is stalled for six, seven years. She has also asked the Minister of Mining to fast track the another project, which actually involves Chinese investment, the Ligangam Chuchuma coal and iron project. I think this is very important because she knows that come 2025, you know, she'll be out campaigning and she'll need to show that she can also show that in a couple of projects that she can get things done on her own. And also this is in a country where some people are still very skeptical for female present, whether she can get things done or not. Yeah, Muhyiddin, let's get your opening take on this. Building from what uh, Tabit was talking about is uh, the domestic context of all this uh, discussion rather than just China. Uh, so Tabit is right when he's talking about, uh, like when President Samia came into uh, office, uh, Magufuli saw the need kind of to push back against uh, his predecessor and I would say uh, President Samia Suluhu is also finding the necessity to also kind of push back against uh, her the predecessor that is uh, Magufuli. Uh, the, the, uh, so there's more happening in terms of domestic politics before we talk about China. Uh, and I think uh, President Samia Sulu has shown or has demonstrated that the kind of direction that she wants to take. And uh, she has said it emphatically that she's going to open up the country. Uh, and just by saying that, you start imagining that uh, the Chinese the Chinese capital is going to have a very important role to play in that regard. So uh, many people say it was by surprise, but I don't think it was that surprising. Uh, like, like for me, I wasn't really surprised because uh, according to anonymous source, for example, uh, President Xi Jinping made a phone call in December, had a, a phone call conversation with uh, President, uh, the late President Magufuli. Uh, and then in January this year, there was an official visit by the Chinese uh, foreign minister. 
uh, and I heard or I'm told that uh, the Bagamoyo port agenda was uh, discussed and according to one, this source is that uh, there was positive signs shown by the Tanzanian side uh, and then you first track that in June uh, this year where President Xi Jinping again had a phone conversation with President Samia Suluhu uh, and then immediately after that, uh, the, uh, the Tanzanian president revealed that uh, they are now they have restarted. I mean, started the uh, uh, discussion about the Bagamoyo port project. And before that, the Chinese uh, Chamber of Commerce, like the, the business community here in Tanzania, met the president, uh, President Samia Suluhu, and they had a discussion. Uh, and uh, if you want to read from those discussions, there was a clear indication of what was going to happen with regard to Bagamoyo. There was a lot of uh, mentioning about the Belt and Road Initiative. And once you mention that, obviously, the Bagamoyo uh, port comes into, into your mind. So this, I just wanted to emphasize Thabit's point that uh, a lot that has happened has to do with uh, uh, domestic politics. Uh, before we talk about China, just as the project itself that uh, it was initiated domestically before the Chinese came in uh, and, and, you know, sort of uh, get involved in the, in the, in the, in the project. Tabit, um, what is the business case for the Bagamoya boat? Like, you, you know, kind of, like, is, do, do they expect it's going to compete with, with Lamu, for example? Um, in, you know, do, do they have a plan for that kind of competition? Um, or is it, or is, and, and how much, how much do you feel, you know, kind of, is kind of sound business thinking about the, about the, the sustainability of the port project itself? And how much is, is kind of driven by competition with Kenya and competition with Djibouti and, you know, and, and, and try, you know, that, that kind of what we've seen in, in other cases, sometimes in East Africa, you know, where, where different countries end up kind of replicating each other's capability. Right. As, as, as Eric was saying, is that, you know, the, the key question, first of all, is, is the competition, because you've got the U, United Arab Emirates has just put up an upgraded con, huge container ports in Somaliland. And we know that the Chinese are involved in the Lamu project, which is going to connect all the way to southern Sudan and Ethiopia. And I should say that, you know, when President Magufuli announced in 2019 that Bagamoyo Port was off the radar, if you look at the uh, the uh, five years development, the Tanzania National Five Years Development Plan, so much effort has gone into upgrading uh, the Mtwara Port. This is another port in southern Tanzania. And the Tanga Port, uh, this is northern Tanzania where, where the Ugandan oil will pass through. So the, so the big question, I mean, for the uh, for the proponents of the Bagamoyo port, the story is that you know, first of all, the, the physical condition that you know this is the port that is 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 got you know it's, it can host bigger ships than the port of Dar es Salaam because it it sits on deep water. There's also the story that if if it's completed, if you assume this project gets done by 2025, it could handle up to 20 million containers annually, which is perhaps 25 times the port of Dar es Salaam. So there is a little bit of a business case, but 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 I think if you look at the competition around, uh, especially, I, I should say also Mombasa port is going through a lot of upgrading at the moment and expansion, and Mombasa is already busier than Dar es Salaam. So I think there are two things here. I think Eric has pointed out, you know, first of all, is there an appetite from the Chinese side? So uh, Muhyiddin suggests that maybe there is kind of an appetite there is an appetite from the Chinese side uh, and the Omanis perhaps. But the big question is, you know, 
you know, the regional competition is really intense because the Barbeda, the Barbeda port in, in Somaliland is getting busy. Mombasa is going through expansion. Uh, there's a couple of expansions in, in Tuara and and, uh, and and Tang, as I have said. And, and I think if you ask me, I think the business case is really, is really, really questionable at the moment. You know, Mohadeen, listening to what Tabit was saying about the questionable business case, it brings me back to the Standard Gauge Railway uh, development in Kenya, when they inflated all of these numbers saying they're going to have massive amounts of port to rail traffic, and that kind of justified it. And in many ways, so we've heard, that prompted a a new religion in the China Exim Bank and with Chinese state-owned enterprises on really having solid feasibility studies done on these projects to make sure there is a path to revenue. But when I hear all of this talk about massive amount of cargo, we are literally embarking on an economic period now for at least the next decade, in my view. And again, I'm not an economist, but Africa is being set back years now because of the crisis brought on by COVID-19 that's led into a financial crisis. So if those high-flying economic kind of projections that they had maybe five, six years ago or 10 years ago, some they have to be rolled back today in the current climate. So in the current climate, let's pick up on the conversation with Tabit. Do you think there is a business case to be made? Is there a feasibility study that can justify a massive multi-billion dollar port in the current era that we're living in? Uh, you, you, you're very right to raise uh, concern on this matter regarding the economic uh, feasibility of, of, of the project. And uh, it remains to be very curious to see how the pandemic, for example, the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, is going to affect the initial uh, planning. And as you rightly pointed out in the beginning, uh, that, uh, uh, I mean, the, 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 the project was announced uh, uh, eight years ago, and a lot has happened in, in between, including this, the latest, uh, 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 the, the pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic. So I think it's going to be, it's, it's going to, to affect the, the, the whole the, uh, architecture of, of negotiation and the deal itself. Uh, but also, I think it's important to uh, to be mindful that uh, the Bagamoyo port project uh, is not just about the port, uh, because uh, from what we have learned is that uh, uh, there are going to be an industrial park uh, and kind of creating a logistic hub uh, in the region, and how that now Tabit and you, uh, and you Eric, you are talking about uh, the regional competition and whether that is going to complement other regional projects that are going on, where the Chinese have interest. For example, the Lamu Porter uh, uh, project, and always going to be inconsistent with uh, the Bagamoyo Porter project. Now that remains to be seen. But I want to believe that it's going to be very difficult, and the negotiations now are going to take a whole new turn. And and uh, it's not about going back to where they left off. Uh, probably they have to re- uh, go back to drawing board and try to come up with uh, a business plan, and which is going to affect the nature of 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 the project. I'm sure. So it, now it's difficult to tell, but I think for it's obvious that. Uh, a lot is going to be changed in terms of uh, uh, what the deal is about, the, the, the details of, of, of the project due to what has transpired in the past few years, particularly with, the, with regard to uh, the, the, uh, 
the coronavirus pandemic. And we 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 know that, uh, for example, when the uh, the project is stalled, we are aware that the Chinese turned their interest uh, uh, in, uh, in in Djibouti, uh, and therefore I think there's a legitimate question here. Uh, whether uh, they are still they are still going to get involved uh, in a way that they, they I mean they thought they would get involved in the uh, probably five years ago so it's it's, it's curious I, I mean uh, it's difficult to tell right now but I'm sure all these factors that we have talked about are going to affect the nature of the deal and hope I don't know what's going to transpire in the end but yeah it means to be very curious. Just before we go on much further, let me just emphasize again that we talk about the port, but the port is only one part of a much bigger, what they're calling the Special Economic Zone Master Plan that includes a logistics park, a tourist park, a residential area, there's a commercial zone, an information communications technology park, an area for small to medium-sized enterprises, the industrial zone that Muadin talked about, and then the port. Kobus, we've seen over the years a lot of these big special economic zone master plans throughout Africa. Most have not been very successful. And and so I'm just kind of wondering, Kobus, what's your take on whether or not this is a good idea in your view to kind of build a diversified in the current, again, the current economic climate based on what we know on the performance of other special economic zones around Africa, including some in South Africa? Yeah, you know, this is generally a pretty mixed record. You know, we we have seen some successes um, in Ethiopia, for example, and and in and some some of these kind of developments in South Africa, um, but frequently they depend very much on having a, a, a specific industry or specific kind of point of view um, and it'll be very interesting to see you know what which specific industries are, are expected to be developed by the special economic zone in, in, in Tanzania um, like you, you know the and, and the, the question the, the million dollar question then becomes kind of which which other Chinese companies are involved you know so so you know in Ethiopia is, is a classic example where where like the, the where Chinese companies drove a kind of a, a development of, of an entire Ethiopia kind of garment assembly sector which you know kind of like roughly on the lines of, of a country like Bangladesh um, you know so, so it'll be very interesting to see if, if any of that you know if any kind of targeted kind of industries are, are being kind of identified at the moment um, Tabitha do you have any idea of, of what the specific kind of plans are for, for the different sections of, of the special economic zone? No I think what we know is that Again, you know the uh, the special economic zones goes way back to the uh, to the to the days of President Mkapa, actually. So you're talking about pre two or five backwards, and then they took over when President Kikwete came in. But again, uh, President Magufuli was very skeptical about uh, economic zones. He thought he thought some of the uh, the terms that were offered by these exporters were very too generous. So. Again, these are the things that, as Shanghai was pointing out, that you know, President Samir is very keen to undo some of the uh, Magufuli's way of doing things. Maybe this is one of them. Because if if you were to go, if you were to take the port as part of the uh, of the uh, special economic zones, then the, the thinking and the and the strategies really have to change. Because because you know, President Magufuli was not such a fan of of uh, special economic zones, and I think now what 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 the president has done, she has appointed people who are kind of known to be, you know, so the current minister of uh, investment, for instance, used to be the head of the National Investment Center. So he knows his stuff. Uh, but I think there will be a lot of a lot of 
re-strategizing, a lot of rethinking. Uh, if if you were to make the porters part of the uh, of the uh, economic zones, because I think the whole story of Tanzania special economic zones has been a failure, to be honest. Yeah, no, that's what we've seen in in a number of different countries as well. Uh, not some of them work, as Kobus pointed out, but quite a few don't. Muidin, let's go back to what you were talking about earlier with the visit in January of Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi, and when he came to Tanzania, one of the things that he did, in fact, the highlight of his visit was to sign a $1.3 billion contract for Chinese companies to build Phase 5 of Tanzania's new standard gauge railway. Now, very interesting, in contrast to what happened in Kenya, where Chinese policy banks, the China Exim Bank, financed the development of that railway. Instead, these railways in, in Tanzania are being financed by Tanzania itself, and not by the Chinese, but Chinese contractors are building it. So let's bring up the question of the standard gauge railway, does the SGR, when it eventually comes, play a part in what's happening in Bagamayo? Yeah, yes, Eric. I think that was uh, part of the original idea was to, for example, talk about uh, uh, a transport or a logistic hub, Bagamayo being a logistic hub or a transport hub uh, for, the, for the region. And you can do that until you have uh, a network of roads and, and, and railways. Uh, that uh, open up the region and SGR is is part and parcel of that original uh, idea. Uh, you talk about the funding. The funding has been uh, uh, a problem uh, because as it stands today, uh, we know that uh, the funding for phase three and four has not been secured. And I think last time we talked, there was uh, what we knew then, and it hasn't changed until today. Uh, was that uh, the government was also talking to the Chinese uh, Exim Bank to see if they could uh, uh, get a loan to finance uh, the phase three and, and, and four of the, of, of the SGR. But yes, the SGR falls into the original plan of, of Bagamoyo. And therefore, maybe this is what makes uh, the, the Bagamoyo port, uh, this project, uh, a little maybe special. Uh, because uh, you also have to take into consideration other factors. Uh, Tanzanians or Tanzania tends to think that uh, it's, it's special when it comes to uh, its relationship with China, uh, justifiably given the history uh, between the two countries, but also given the sort of like the national attributes of Tanzania. Uh, the size of its population, but also the, the stability. It, uh, and here, when I talk about stability, I'm not talking about uh, both in terms of uh, political stability, but also in terms of uh, stability when it comes to uh, who is in power. Uh, at least if things remain as they are in the foreseeable future, we don't see a regime change in terms of the, the ruling party uh, in Tanzania uh, uh, like another party winning an election, at least in the foreseeable future, if all things remain constant. So there's that kind of stability as well, which I think might interest the Chinese. But yeah, the regional influence historically, Tanzania, although it's been, the influence has been waning uh, in recent years, but there's that element of, like, if you like, Tanzanian soft power in the region for countries such as uh, uh, Burundi and DRC and, and, and Mozambique and so forth and, and Zambia, you know. So it, it may be if you take all these factors into consideration, probably that this is what makes Bagamoyo more a kind of a special project if you compare uh, it with other projects such as the Lamu project. Uh, I think uh, 
that might uh, in a way shape the nature of 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 discussions about the project but i mean about the project itself yeah you know cobus listening to muadin it's bringing me back to the conversation that you and i had with professor jonathan fulton from zayed university in the united arab emirates when he talked about how the chinese prize above almost anything is connectivity and he used the example of qatar and this might be one of the areas that Tanzania does have an advantage, say, over Kenya and other East African countries, if they're able to get the standard gauge railway financed. I don't believe for a million years that the Chinese are going to pay for that after what they went through in Kenya. But if they are able to get that off the ground, because of their connectivity with the ports and in their, you know, the relationship that they have with their neighbors and the ambitions that they have for their own rail network, that might be the motivation for Wang Yi and President Xi to engage the Tanzanians and want to get behind this thing. What do you think? Quite possibly. I mean, we have to we have to keep in mind that that you know a, 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 a significant proportion of, for example, like mineral exports from the DRC still run through Durban Port in South Africa. You know, so so there's definitely space for for like big logistics. Hubs I think it's and particularly. All- let me correct you. I think it's literally everything out of the DRC. Really? Oh, it's very yeah, interesting. It's, yeah. There's no other port that I think is connected to the DRC. Mm. So that there is an opportunity there, particularly as cobalt and other electric vehicle battery raw materials demand is just going to skyrocket to have some more ports that are accessible. It's only the Lake Tanganyika port in Tanzania also connects through the ocean. Yeah, so there's some opportunity on the lake side as well. Yeah, so so there's definitely kind of scope there, you know, kind of for 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 this kind of work. You know, I, I guess I guess the the affordability and the logistics of it will will you know will determine a lot. Mohdeen, um, I was wondering what you think of the geopolitical implications of this. Like we saw in the, the the little bit of international reporting around around the kind of revival of the deal, particularly in um, in Nikkei, Shimbun, in Japan, um, that they they were immediately starting to focus on on geopolitical kind of you know implications. They immediately started raising the issue of the fact that obviously that that uh, Chinese um, uh, you, you know uh, kind of like Chinese warships are now possibly are now able to dock at Djibouti um, and you, you know research that that earlier research that that showed that that Chinese commercial ports are frequently also outfitted to be able to 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 take uh, you know kind of uh, military vessels um, and we already see uh, both American and and European um, you know defense officials starting to to kind of raise all of these all of these concerns about the Indo-Pacific and you know immediately jumping into into debt trap rhetoric and so on. So I was wondering what what you think of this kind of this this discussion about the geopolitics of, of the of the development. I think with regards to Djibout, it's almost like designated by the Chinese for its uh, military activities in Africa, and I don't think they'll like to do the same with Bagamoyo. So probably. Bagamoyo is just going to be purely economics rather than uh, military, sort of like making military inroads into into Africa. So I I, I don't think the Chinese will be interested in uh, in terms of uh, making Bagamoyo uh, also sort of uh, like a uh, a port where you have Chinese naval ships, you know, docking at Bagamoyo. And- I mean, it's almost laughable a little bit. I mean, it's like American military fantasy that the Chinese are going to start building Navy ports all across Africa. I mean, it just, there's no facts whatsoever to support any of that. Exactly, Eric. The story of, you know, it goes back to the question of funding. Uh, so, Shang, you remember, this is something that really 
caught caught my attention, but I don't know if people really haven't really talked much about this. In 2017, when Tanzania approached the uh, the Turkish Export Credit Bank, the State on Turkish Bank, to finance the SGR. And I think Maguful was on record. I think this was an interesting quote. I remember, Shangwe, you probably remember this, when he said that the, the, the Chinese of today are not the same as the Chinese of the Tazara days. Yes, I... I what yes, he was basically... I, I, <laughs> yeah, you remember, he was basically trying to say that, you know, because we had a very good deal with the, with the Chinese back in the 70s, things have changed so much. And, and you know, you have to approach China with cautious these days. You remember that, Chang, maybe you could say a little bit more about it, because I thought that was very important. Yes, and I think it was part of uh, uh, sort of uh, like demonstrating uh, the breakaway from the, from the past by the Magufuli administration. Uh, because a lot of uh, the narrative between uh, the relationship between uh, Tanzania and China, there's a lot about history, about what happened in the past. Uh, but also, we also know that uh, uh, the circumstances have changed uh, in terms of, uh, uh, I think Magufuli was right when he said the Chinese of today are not the Chinese of the past. But also, I want to believe the Tanzanians of today. I know the Tanzanians of the past. So it's uh, it, it was more of like breaking away from the uh, from from the past uh, by trying to come up with a, with a different strategy to to engage this new China, uh, and uh, I think this is marks the, the the new beginning in terms of the relationship between the two countries, which is more of uh, uh, economic. Uh, driven rather than uh, you know political driven in terms of ideology and and, and third worldism and China being the, the leader of the third world country and Tanzania being uh, uh, this pan-Africanist uh, uh, country supporting liberation and so forth so this I think marks the new beginning going forward where economics becomes paramount uh, as opposed to you know political uh, as, as opposed to politics that's to say and the China of 2021 is not the China of 2019. Exactly. So, I mean, you're right. Everything's changing. And President Hassan is really going in a different direction. So it's going to be interesting. Let's close our discussion with some predictions. I don't usually like to do this because it's a fool's errand. But nonetheless, I'm going to do it today. So before we go, Tabit and, and Muadin, where are we going to be in six or nine months from now on this on this deal? So, Tabit, let's start with you. And then Muadin will go to you. I think where we're going to be in the next nine months, I think we'll, uh, you know, we'll see that, you know, we'll see negotiations back on track. Uh, you know, how much ground will the negotiators cover? That that remains to be seen. But I think there will be some serious negotiations uh, going back, I think, between between the... Uh, the question is whether, again, you know, the Omani and the Chinese is still very much part of the deal. That's, that's, that's another question. But I think we'll see negotiations back on track. Uh, and I think President Samir will build on uh, this, you know, Muhyiddin has, has talked about this, you know, in, again, very improving relationship between CCM and the CCP and also China and Tanzania. Uh, but I don't expect anything substantial uh, in terms of maybe a memorandum of understanding or any, any paperwork signed in the next nine months. I don't expect that. But I expect a lot of high-level negotiation to revive the project. And Muhyiddin? Give us your your take on what you think is going to happen. I think we might have something tangible after nine months because uh, uh, from what I understand is that the Chinese have always maintained their interest in the project 
and this is an ideal opportunity because Tanzania has already sh shown uh, sort of like interest in the project in the Tanzanian government so it's, it's a window of opportunity that uh, it has to be exploited by the, I think the Chinese understand this uh, but also there's, there's a sense of agency on the Tanzanian side so it's like uh, both parties have mutual interest and therefore I think they're going to iron out their differences like really soon but the nature of the project might change in terms of probably maybe uh, like downsizing the the project and and probably uh, focus on specific aspects of the project rather than the, the original idea but I, I kind of I think that something tangible might come up in the next few months. Okay, we'll we'll, we'll follow up with you uh, in nine months to see what's going on. I want to thank you both for taking the time to join us and really to help us better understand it. I, I started this conversation with a lot of gaps, and I feel like I have a much better understanding it. Amuidin Shangwei is a lecturer in the political science department at the University of Dar es Salaam in Tanzania, and Taba Jacob is a postdoctoral researcher in the Department of Political Science at the University of Gothenburg in Sweden. Both of you are active on Twitter and post some really insightful stuff. Tabit, let's start with you. If people want to follow what you're reading and writing these days and some of your thoughts on these issues, where can they find you on Twitter? Yeah, so I, I tweet at Tabit Senior, uh, and there you can find a lot of, you know, geopolitical energy and, you know, belt and red stuff. And I tweet a lot about broader, you know, political economy and, and Tanzania and, and food points so much more. Fantastic. And Muhyiddin, how about you? Uh, I'm on Twitter, Shangweli Beria, at Shangweli Beria. Uh, unfortunately, I, or fortunately, I tweet in Kiswahili and English, and uh, it's a mixture of stuff. Like I tweet about China, Africa, China, Tanzania, but also other uh, anything political, domestically, regionally, and uh, internationally as well. And I will put links to both of their Twitter accounts in the show notes that you can find it and connect with them directly. Thank you both for taking the time. It was great to talk with you. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Eric. I am so glad that we had Tabit Muhaddin to come on to really flesh out what we have been reading about in the papers for a long time. But again, there's a lot of gaps in this story and people are assigning their own narratives on top of it. So we heard about the pushback on the Belt and Road. We heard about Magafuli you know, doing, you know, really being angry with the Chinese. And what was the most interesting takeaway for me was how, again, over and over and over again, we see this play out in Africa how domestic politics are driving a lot of these decisions with the Chinese. And in many ways, the Chinese are secondary actors. So Magafuli, you know, this might have been about pushing back on Kikwete. I mean, this had nothing to do with the Chinese. Sure, it had something to do with the Chinese, but it might have been domestically driven initially far more than it was with the Chinese. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of outsiders fail to take into account when they see a lot of these big deals implode or run into problems, the role of domestic politics. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's, it's really important to, to factor that in. At the same time, not only the domestic politics, but also domestic development plans, you know, um, and the way that they, the way that they kind of intersect with politics. Um, you know, so I think that's that's really interesting. It was it was, it was very interesting to, to hear them kind of laying out all of the different kind of sections of the plan and all of these different ways that, they, that they're supposed to be intersecting. Um, you know, the, those kind of development plans, I think, frequently also don't get enough, you know, in, in, you know kind of enough 
like airtime, you know, kind of in, in international discussions of it, and which is frequently framed in terms of China pushing to set up this this kind of infrastructure, whereas in reality, it's very frequently coming, being driven by, you know, kind of some kind of national plan for, for economic development. Yeah. So a couple key points here. If this is going to be financed by the policy banks, I think it's a dead on arrival project. I, I just don't think that the policy banks have the stomach for this. We've spoken about this really all throughout the year about the dramatic fall in lending by the Chinese policy banks. It just played out recently in Nigeria where the Nigerian government has more or less given up on 14.4 or $14.5 billion worth of railway loans from the Chinese. And they moved on to talk to Standard Chartered, who incidentally is also financing part of the the Tanzanian standard gauge railway. So if this is a policy bank loan-driven project, uh, we just aren't seeing those kind of deals anymore in Africa because the feasibility is very difficult. And they got so burned on what happened in Kenya with the standard gauge railway there, I just don't get the sense that they want to spend a huge amount of money. Now, this might be China Merchant Holdings funding this themselves without the policy banks. And in that case, is if it's a business, an investment deal led by a state-owned enterprise, but not involving the policy banks, sure, that may have a chance, but probably in a much more scaled-down fashion, as, as you pointed out. Let's just kind of close out this conversation on, again, the moment that we're in right now. We're looking at major setbacks in economic growth. The polemic kind of warnings that we're getting from the IMF and the World Bank and Vera Songwei at the United Nations about the impact that COVID-19 is going to have on African economies is terrifying. And so do you think this kind of project even makes sense in this moment or should it be shelved? If you were advising the president in Tanzania, would you say wait for another day or given the fact that political considerations, as we heard from Tabit, might be driving this as well. So what do you think is going on? Well, if, if I were, you know, kind of advising the president of Tanzania, I think Tanzania would be in trouble. But the, um, you know... I can well see that that the that the COVID um, crisis may well add more fuel to you know kind of to 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 the drive to 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 push through these kind of big projects, um, because there is such everyone's hairs on fire in relation to to economic to, to this economic crisis, you know. So so I can well imagine that that there would be sections in these different governments saying like now more than ever it's time to push even harder on these kind of development pro development projects because at least we need something that can pull us. out out, you know, kind of, of of the COVID crisis. So, you know, I can well imagine that 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 the COVID crisis ends up kind of generating arguments both in terms of escalation and de-escalation. Um, and and it's going to depend, I think, a lot on on the kind of money that these that these governments can get lay their hands on and the and you know figures like Chinese lenders. Well, let's leave our conversation there for the day. This is a topic that I suspect that in six nine months we are going to. Uh, pick up again. By the way, if you go to our website at ChinaAfricaProject.com, type in the words Bagamayo. We have been covering this going back all the way to 2019 and, and putting links that go all the way back to 2013. So if you're researching this, our website is a valuable resource, both for the analysis that Kobus and I are doing, but also for the links that we have to all the primary source and the news coverage coming out of Tanzania. So you'll want to check that out as well. While you're at the website, also uh, do check out a subscription. You get 30 days for free to try out what we're putting out. We have a brand new China editor uh, who's cranking stuff out every single day exclusive. We have a new Africa editor who will be starting 
in August. We're very excited about that. Cobus is writing columns, and I'm doing eight to 10 stories a day. So if this is something that is of interest to you, you'll definitely want to check that out. Subscriptions start at just $7 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee in many American and European cities. So uh, $7 a month for students and teachers and $15 a month for everybody else. Just go to ChinaAfricaProject.com slash subscribe and you can sign up right there. So that'll do it for this edition. Kobus and I will be back again next week with another episode. Until then, for Kobus van Staden, I'm Eric Olander. Thank you so much for listening. The discussion continues online. Head over to facebook.com slash China Africa Project to share your thoughts on today's show. Or follow the guys on Twitter, Eric's at Iolanda, and you can find Kobas at Stadenesk. For more information about the China Africa Project and to sign up for our free weekly email news brief, go to chinaafricaproject.com. Music